Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Jericho, a crazy command. Jericho, a crazy command, Joshua 6, 1-5. Now last week, we talked about when God moves us out of our comfort zones. And that's why you all got magnets on the way in. If you didn't get one on the way in, get one on the way out. Uh, I think we have a lot back there, so anybody get them and help yourself. Uh, it says, life begins where your comfort zone ends. Thank you, Mark and Ethan, for supplying these. We really appreciate it. These are great uh, magnets. And that's just a reminder that when God moves us out of our comfort zone, what he's trying to do. If you weren't here last week, podcast or get the CD or YouTube and uh, follow along on that. But today we'll also be uncomfortable. So that was kind of uncomfortable last week, if you remember, right? God moving us out of our comfort zone. But today we'll be just as uncomfortable as we just saw with the Veggie Dale clip. Uh, they, they had a very uncomfortable time here. We're going to spend several weeks on Jericho. God gives us really crazy commands. Very, very often through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit's leading, he gives us these crazy commands. He often asks us to do things that don't make human sense. It's really everything about Christianity goes against human sense, doesn't it? Everything. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Everything about Christianity is foolishness to those who don't know Jesus Christ. And and uh, going a few verses further in Chapter 2, verse 14, we see why. It says in 14, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Discern. It tells us why it doesn't make sense to someone who's never put their faith in Jesus Christ. They don't have the Holy Spirit. It, it, the Bible and, and the gospel and, and the teachings of, of Christ don't make sense to most people. They, because only if we have the Holy Spirit can we understand God's word. Only if we have the Holy Spirit can we accept God's plan for our life. That's the only way. It's like you talk to someone and, 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 and they don't have the Holy Spirit and you talk about spiritual things. You, it's like you're talking a different language. It's like they're from, we're from Mars and they're from Earth. and it, it just doesn't, there's no connection spiritually. It only happens through the Holy Spirit's power. I wish I had on, on tape some of the conversations I've had with people. I'm sure you've had them too. They, they, think, they, they think we're crazy. Because humanly we are crazy. And that's the way God designed it. He purposely made it impossible for human intelligence, human carnal reasoning, wisdom, to get it. It can only come through the Holy Spirit, and it can only come by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray before we get into this. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that opens our hearts and minds to the word. Pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us now through your mercy and grace to, to hear 
and to understand and to move forward in our faith. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start with Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. That's where we left off. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Joshua, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horn in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up Every man straight in. So we're now we're going to come back uh, chapter five thirteen to fifteen when he runs into this messenger from the Lord. We're going to come back to that on Easter. Very very interesting. Don't miss Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We're going to focus focus on that that day. See if you can figure out why would I revisit that one on Easter. Some really deep theological truths in that little meeting there. But anyway, we're going to focus on. Chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. Now, before I hit that, remember this is a picture, a spiritual picture of our Christian life. Them taking the land is a picture of us battling our spiritual battles. After we are saved, once we put our faith in Jesus Christ and give our life to him and receive salvation, once we do that, we are no longer slaves in Egypt. Once we're saved, we're no longer slaves in Egypt. We're just like they were slaves in Egypt. We, at one point, we're all slaves to sin and to Satan and to the world system. And we're no longer slaves. We're no longer POWs. Before that, we're all POWs. But now we can and we must fight spiritual battles. Just like they crossed that river, picture of us being saved. They had to fight these spiritual battles, take the land, knock down the strongholds. That's the same picture. After we become a Christian, it becomes a spiritual battle. A spiritual battle with God's help, with his, his power, but it's a spiritual battle that we have to fight. It's all that picture, so keep that in mind now as we go into the battles of Jericho and all the battles afterwards. The rest is a lot of fighting spiritual battles, okay? So verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Jericho was the key to the, the entire promised land. It was a key city on the Jordan. It was like, if you didn't take that, you couldn't go any further. It was vital for the defense of the land. They knew it. That's why they're all there, ready, behind these big walls. And it was also key for the Israelites to take. Think of World War II when we were going across the Pacific. And we, there were certain islands we didn't have to take. We did a lot of island hopping. But there were certain islands we had to defeat. We had to take those if we were going to win and finish up World War II. And those who are history buffs know what I'm talking about. There's some really brutal battles, but we had to take those islands before we could go in and, and finish the war off. And that's what this is a, a picture of. Jericho is one of these vital key islands, strongholds that had to be taken. But it was considered unbeatable. Unbeatable. 
This was like, you know, the unbeatable city. It looked impossible to human eyes, to carnal reasoning, to, to human wisdom. It looked impossible. In fact, in Deuteronomy 1.28, we see a report that the faithless spies had given. And, and Moses is giving a synopsis of what they said. In verse, chapter 1, uh, verse 28, it says, Where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose our heart. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. So you see, that was the perception. That was the truth of what these cities were like. They were un- untakeable. And so God knew that its defeat would discourage the enemy and encourage God's people, but it was a challenge to their faith. It was a challenge to their faith. And that's why, in, in back to Joshua chapter 6, verse 2, God says... Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. God says, I have delivered it into your hands. He says, See, view it with the eyes of faith, not with the eyes of flesh. Eyes of flesh, we can't do this. It'll take us years to defeat this place. But God says, look at it with the eyes of faith. How do we view our spiritual battles? Think of the spiritual battles you have been fighting recently. How do we view our struggles? How do we view the strongholds in our life? Do we see them with human eyes or the eyes of faith? So God says, I've delivered it into your hands. That's the good news. That's the good news. But the way that God chose to defeat them, the enemy, Jericho, was very unusual. In fact, it was really crazy. VeggieTales has got it right, right? It was crazy. Crazy, very unusual, but it's a lesson of spiritual. Remember, this is a spiritual lesson for us. Verses 3 to 5, he says, March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets... Have all the people give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. (laughs) And Joshua had to be thinking, and the people are going to think, I'm crazy. I've already really pushed them a lot. lot. Remember the the Jordan River? Uh, The flooded Jordan? Okay, we're going to march through. Uh, And and when our feet, when we we get to the water, our toes touch, it's going to open up. I mean, that was crazy, right? And now he comes back with another crazy thing. Uh, we're going to knock down the walls of Jericho by marching around and, and shouting and blowing our horns, right? This, he's got to be thinking, I'm going to be impeached, right? You know, they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're, they're not going to keep following me. And, and Jericho's going to mock us, the little peas and veggie tails, they got that, right? I'm sure they were mocking them. Uh, they're going to laugh at us. And the, the worst part, though, is they're going to think, I'm crazy. The Israelites have got to be thinking, this guy is crazy, Right? We want Moses back. Uh, this is crazy. Couldn't we try fighting first? Think of what they must have been thinking about. What if you were there? Couldn't we try fighting first? Uh, Joshua had to think that. Maybe if they see how hard it is and how difficult it is, maybe they'll do things your way, God, after we, we, we do that first. Think of a modern battle. We're fighting in a battle, and uh, we, we go and surround some city, say in the Middle East where we're fighting right now, and they, they march around it and they say, okay, everybody go home. That's enough for the day. They'd be crazy. 
The, the media would be all over that, wouldn't they? They would have a heyday with that. That's, that's crazy. But God, it is crazy, but God is saying something to the Israelites and to us. He's saying, is your faith in your strength or in my strength? Are you going to do it your way or my way? What are you depending on, your strength or my strength? Did you ever wonder why they crossed at right the Jordan, why did they cross right in front of Jericho in the first place? I mean, the borders are wide open, you know. There's no border wall. They're wide open. There's just wall and a wall in one spot. And that was the one spot God picks to cross right where Jericho is. It was just didn't make any sense. There was a lot of better border options. What was God trying to do? Well, I think 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 gives us a really good hint. When Paul's talking about his thorn in the flesh that God put into his life to make things very, very difficult. And, and listen how he responds in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. He says, he's asking God to take away this thorn in the flesh, but verse 9 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God puts Jericho's, thorns in the flesh, Jericho's in our lives to make us dependent and to keep us dependent. He wants to keep us in that place of dependency so that his power can work. That's what he does. I told this story some time ago. Most of you probably don't, never heard this one. But uh, a story about dependence, how, how I really learned this lesson on dependence. I was, um, we, we had this ministry, inner city ministry. We called it intermission. And I was at a church in Connecticut right on the border of Bridgeport. And um, we had this city into the very inner city, a really, really tough area. Think of Kensington now, the worst place in Kensington. That's what it was like. And we'd go in pick kids up and bring them back and had all these ministries and basketball ministries and I would bring them to youth group and it just was really, a lot of you know some of those stories but, but the one time I remember I was, uh, my van driver couldn't drive the kids home and I, right after youth group we would drive a van load of kids home and he said, Chuck can you drive them home, I can't do it today and I said okay, okay, okay. and I just jumped in, I didn't take my wallet, I just grabbed the van key he handed to me, I jumped in, uh, I grabbed one of the other youth sponsors to come along, his name was Joe, I'm not going to use his last name, uh, he, he jumped in, one of my, he was a real character, Joe, he jumped into the van with me and he said, I'll write shotgun for you, I said, okay, good, which I literally probably needed, and so, so then all these kids piled in and were taking them back to the, this really, really rough area, it was called Father Panic Village. That's a good name for it, but there was a, some priest whose name Panic, and they named it after him. But that was a good reason, good good name for this place. It really, really, just un, one of those places you just can't even imagine. In fact, after we moved, they bulldozed it. They just bulldozed it down. They couldn't even deal with it anymore. The police and everything It was just unbelievable. And so we start driving down. I got the van load of kids, and I'm just getting into the Bridgeport and and heading close to where we're going to go. And I notice the gas gauge is on E. I mean, completely on E. And I'm like. <gasps> So I reached for my wallet, and I didn't have my wallet. I'm like, oh, because I just jumped in the van, right? And I'm like, oh, no, the last person who drove the van left it empty. Isn't it always the way with church fans? That's why I'm glad we don't have one. But anyway, uh, so, so I'm like, 
I go, I don't have any money. I don't have my wallet. And, and, and I said, we got to get some gas. And they're like, oh, yeah, you got to get some gas. You know, the kids are like, I go, you can't run out of gas here. <laughs> they knew. You know, if a car was stopped, they were stripped. You should see all the cars were just stripped down all over this area. If you stopped and didn't pay attention, you came back out and the tires, were, everything was gone. It was crazy, crazy area. And, uh, and so they're like, you can't run out of gas. No, no, you can't. That's dangerous. And they, they even they didn't want to run out of gas. And they lived there. And they knew I would definitely not survive. Uh, and so so I'm like, guys, we've got to get money. I, I don't have my wallet. And, and they all start looking. And we don't have any money. I said, start looking throughout the van. Because, you know, you're in a van and people drop change and coins and 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 they're all looking and they're tearing up the seats and i'm driving and i'm praying god please let him find money i found a nickel i found a quarter i found a penny they all these van loaded kids you know just desperately searching for for coins and they they finally get us the coins i think we have we have some money we have some money so i pulled into the only gas station right at the edge of this father panic village and and i said hand me the money and they all gave me the money and i counted out it was 98 cents 98 cents. I go, this'll do it, guys. This'll do it. We'll, we'll get you the home and me home again, too. They're all excited. So I went, pulled up to the gas station and to the tanks there, and, and I walked up to the lady. She was behind this bulletproof glass, all right? And, and, and she wasn't having a good day. I don't think she's ever had a good day. And she, I went up to her and I said, uh, could I get 98 cents worth of gas, please? And she just looked at me and she, Pointed down, and I looked down underneath the window, and there was a sign, minimum purchase, one dollar. I said, oh, yeah, I'm just two cents short. You know, can I just get 98 cents? Shook her head, gave me the, the eye, the evil eye, you know. She was, she was like not, you know, you know, first of all, she's probably shocked that I was there with my pigment color, was even there, but then, then she wasn't going to give me any, you know, she was, yeah, no, I said, you, you don't understand, look at the boys, they're all faces against the window, I got to take them to Father Panic Village, you know, right down the road, and, and, and I got to get them home, and, and I'm out of gas, and if I don't, if I run out of gas, bad things are going to happen, no, she would not give me the gas. And I said, no, please, look at these guys. They're all like, please, you know, get somewhere. She was just, if you don't leave right now, I'm calling the police. I'm like, oh, great. That's all I need, you know? And so I didn't have my wallet. So, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm like oh, okay. I get in the van. I said, guys, start praying. Because we, we got to, we, we got to get, we can't, we can't run out of gas. They're all panicked. I go, don't panic. Just start praying. We start driving. Okay, we're, I'm driving. I'm like, oh, please, please. They're all praying. God, please, 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 please. All these kids. And, and as we get close, I said, I'm just going to slow down. I'm not even going to stop. <laughs> I was kidding. Them. I stopped quick. They all jumped out, ran. They, they all ran for their houses. Because they had to do that anyway. It was such a dangerous area. They literally would go from bus van, run to their apartments. It was dangerous. And, and, uh, and then I started driving, and I'm driving, and I'm like praying and praying, and, and I'm just, just expecting any moment to run out of gas somewhere here. And, and I just kept praying, and I'm praying, God, please, please, please. And meanwhile, the Joe next to me, you know, he was like, you know, really hoping we made it and all that. And, and we just crossed the line, the city line, out of Bridgeport to where we live, and a uh, safer area. And we just were crossing line, and right at the line, as we crossed, there was a diner right there. And, and, and I'm driving and just desperately hoping, and I'm like, we made it, Joe, we're gonna live, we're gonna live. I was like, we made it. It was like shocking, right? And, and he goes, well, you want to stop and get something to eat? I said, with what, 98 cents? What are we gonna get at the diner for 98 cents? He goes, oh no, I got money. 
I said, you what? He goes, yeah, I have money. I go, where were you, Joe? You know, we're out dis- desperately searching for, you know, money. Where-? He goes, where- why didn't you offer your money? He goes, well, I wanted to leave enough so we could stop and get something to eat. I said, Joe, dead men don't eat. Do you understand that? And when you're dead, you don't get to eat. You know, there's nothing, you, you, you don't eat. And, oh, I go, we are not stopping, Joe. And I drove home and we just made it. And oh, oh my goodness. But the whole time I'm like praying, praying, praying. Soon as home, not praying, right? But, that, but that's what God does. He puts that, those challenges in our life to keep us praying, to keep us desperate, to keep us completely dependent. That's how he wants us to live not afraid. <laughs> I wasn't that scared. But uh, not afraid. But he wants us that, that, that prayerful dependence all the time. That's why he leaves thorns in the flesh. That's why he leaves Jericho's in our life to keep us completely dependent on him. That's why they crossed there. Did you ever wonder why they had to march around the city? Why did they have to do that? Why, why didn't he come up another way? He was teaching them something about faith, wasn't he? Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. We're saved by faith, and then after we're saved by faith, we live by faith. Very important. Daily, it's, it's a daily living by faith. And that he was teaching them and us that we must live by faith if we want to claim our promises. We're going to have to live by faith. To the flesh, this was crazy. What about tunnels? What about trenches? What about battering rams? What about VeggieTale rockets, you know? Who, who ever heard of marching around a city and doing nothing? Don't miss next week. We're going to see what that nothing really was. If he had called a board meeting, let's say an elder board, you know, most churches, you know, they have these boards that meet all the time. And what if, what if they called a board meeting? What would they probably have done with this idea? They would have voted it down. No sane elder board would go along with it. They would have voted it down. No, they would vote to starve them out or, or buy ladders, let's spend some money, or, or a night attack, right? But, but God's ways are meant to humble our pride. They're meant to humble our pride, now get this, and to bring glory to him alone. Humble our pride and bring glory to God alone. Look at his methods. Look, well, look what he does. Look how he works. Ram's horns. Not silver trumpets. Not golden trumpets. Ram's horns. David's going to go fight a giant. He had all this armor. God says, uh-uh. A sling and a stone. Samson, going to go out and fight big muscles. He's going to use his muscles. Huh? God says, give him a donkey, donkey's jawbone. That's what he's going to use. Baby Jesus, going to be born. The son of God is going to be born. No palace. No, it's got to be a barn and a manger. Even Jesus picking his disciples. Look who he picked. Who did he pick? Fishermen. Tax collectors. A bunch of losers. The only one who had anything going for him was Judas. He's the only sharp guy in the bunch. If you have a lot going for you, or if you think you have a lot going for you, be afraid. Be very afraid. (laughs) Be very afraid. Because God must break us and humble us before he can use us. 
before he can use us. Look who God uses. Look who he uses. People like me. <laughs> oh, if you only knew. If you only knew. And, and if I remember when I first was finally surrendering to God to go into ministry. Oh, I heard the whispers. He's going into ministry. He's going to be a pastor. He's going to ministry. God, you, is him? The last person. No one suspected, including me. The only one who had any inclination, any suspected I would probably end up in ministry was my mom. I'll never forget. Many times she said to me, the only way God can use your mouth, Chucky, is to make you a preacher. <laughs> the only way he's going to be able to use that mouth of yours is he's going to turn you into a preacher. And I would say, never, Mom. <laughs> Even when I was little, I remember standing on the chair, never, Mom. Yeah. Look what God uses. Not just who he uses, but look what God uses. Preaching the gospel. Me preaching the gospel, you sharing your faith. He, he uses God's word. He uses his book. It sounds crazy, but after thousands of years, this book is still changing the world. It's the most printed, most published, most read book by far. There's nothing even close to it. And it has changed and transformed and impacted countless lives, just like God promised. Isaiah 55, where he says, you ever think, well, nothing's happening, not enough is happening, what is God doing? Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain... And the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The power of the gospel, the power of God's word. The church in the USA today has lost Lost sight of this powerful truth. We have become dependent on buildings and, and church growth strategies. I remember in the 80s, that was all the rage, you know, because the church was, had kind of hit the wall. Jericho and everything, everything at seminary and everything at every conference was church growth strategies and church growth strategies. And they kept coming up with church growth strategies. But the crazy thing is the church in the USA has not grown since that time, since the early 80s, the church in America has not grown. Well, are you kidding me? There's all these big mega churches, churches growing all over the place and on TV and we can see all this happening. <laughs> the number of Christians in proportion to society, we have not budged an inch. We have gone down. Did you know that? Ever since we've become dependent on these church growth strategies, we haven't grown. What about all these churches? They're just borrowing Christians. We're just moving Christians around. We're just, it's like a merry-go-round. People decide to get on the merry-go-round and get off another church. And the, church growth today is, for those becoming Christians, evangelism and someone becoming a Christian, church growth in America is 2%. 2%. Are be, and, and, and I remember I was in a, a church that was 
a, a bigger church, big where we lived, and, and it was growing, and it, and it was doing great. And I remember reading that and saying, no way, 2%, our church is growing. People are getting saved all the time, and I was all excited, and there has to be a lot more than that in our church. And I, I did the numbers. I crunched the numbers. I went through and looked at all the new people coming in and where they came from, and we were way ahead. We were 4%. <laughs> That's all that's happening. Christians are just moving around. You see a church growing, growing, going. You go in, I'm, I promise you, 2%. They're just moving. We are not growing. You know why? We've become dependent on buildings and human strategies. And God's not going to let us move forward. He's not going to let us move forward. We must, as a, a, a church in the USA today, we must depend on God's power and give him the glory. He will work out his plan his way. And very likely it will seem crazy. It won't make any human sense. Look at New Hope Community Church. Look at how he worked in our church. He, he used opposition. Some of you remember very well the opposition we experienced. He used opposition, which humbled us and got our name out into the community. Everybody knew about our church instantly. It was in the papers. It was on the, the evening news, morning news. It was constantly out there. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody got the petition to sign to keep us from coming into New Hope. Everybody in the town. But God used that to get the word out. And some of the people that passed those petitions are now my very good friends. And some have been in our church before. <laughs> some of you probably signed those petitions. All right? But God, that, God works in a, in a way that we least expect. But we are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. We are in a battle to claim, understand this, we're in a battle to claim what God has promised us, but we must depend on God in this battle. We must fight it his way. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have to fight the spiritual battle God's way. And remember something in this battle. We are on the offense. Israelites were on the offense. They were taking the land. Jericho didn't move. It was stuck. It was static. The walls were stuck. We are on the offense. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, he said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. If some of you have that version. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Gates don't move. <laughs> Gates are static. They're stuck in the ground. We are on the offense. We are on the move. Remember that. We're not on the defensive. We are on the offense. We should be on the offense. What's your Jericho? As we get ready to go to prayer, what's your Jericho? What is challenging our faith today? It looks impossible. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's our job situation. Maybe it's our marriage Maybe it's our family and kids. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a, some other struggle that we're facing. What's our impossible challenge, our Jericho in our life today? What crazy instructions has God given us through his word, 
or through prayer and the Holy Spirit's leading. How, what crazy thing is God asking us? What is instructing us to do? Maybe it's to stay in our marriage. Maybe it's to live a pure life. Maybe it's to witness that tough person. Maybe it's to give financially to help, like somebody gave to St. Baldrick's yesterday. Maybe it's to, to go to a college or, or to go to seminary. Maybe it's a mission trip or maybe it's going into the mission, missions full time. Maybe it's starting a ministry. Maybe God's calling you to start a ministry or even to go into ministry. Even though you think you can't do it. I can't go be a missionary. I can't go on a mission trip. I can't go into ministry or start a ministry. I I can't do it. Yes. Yes, that's right. If that's what you think, you are exactly right. And now you can. Through God's power. Remember mumbling Moses? I can't do it. He couldn't even say, go let my people go. Go and do it. God said, go. And, and, and when we realize we can't do it, that's when God can use us. When we feel like we can't do it, that makes us completely dependent on God. And that's when, when God can really work. How about our church? How is God calling us to impact this area? Our hometowns, New Hope itself, the impossible people that live here. For his glory. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet. You've never put your faith in Jesus, and your Jericho is sin. There's a wall of sin between you and God, and you don't have that relationship with him as your father yet, because that wall is between you and God. But if we will humble ourselves, humble ourselves and say, God, I can't do it. I can't be good enough to work my way into heaven. I can't earn your your favor by what I can do. I, I can't do anything. I'm completely helpless. All I can do is come To the cross. All I can do is come to the cross and put my faith in Jesus. John 3.16. I hope you have it memorized by now. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you believed in Jesus? Has there ever been that time where you gave your life to Jesus Christ? And the world is saying, that's crazy. And your flesh is saying, I don't want to surrender. And, but the, the, the Spirit is pulling on your heart, calling you. The wall between you and God can come down right now. He can, God will go from being our judge to our, our Father the moment we surrender to him. And put our faith in Jesus. Right where you are, you can pray the prayer of faith. God, please knock the wall down, the wall of sin down between us. I repent of that sin. 
I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in your son Jesus. Who died on the cross in my place. Who took my sin upon himself. Who came back from the dead to prove he was your son. And to give me new life. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, then you have just crossed the river of judgment, the Jordan River, and you are, are saved. You have experienced God's salvation. You have a brand new life in front of you, the promised land. You have God's power, his spirit in you now and his power to fight spiritual battles. You're no longer a prisoner of war to Satan, to sin, to the world. You are now free to fight. And fight you will. Fight we must. I want to encourage you to let somebody know you've prayed that prayer of faith. Someone you're here with, or if you want to tell me on the way out, or fill out the card, or send an email, or a text. Let somebody know so that we can encourage you in your spiritual battles and and help you claim the promises that God has made to you. Don't leave without telling somebody. And for those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us through his word? This same word that at one time meant nothing to us. We had hearts of stone. Our minds were darkened. And now because of the Holy Spirit, every time we look at the word, it just cuts to our hearts and, and just moves us deeply through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. How is he speaking to us today? Maybe you're in a spiritual struggle. Oh, we are all in a spiritual struggle. If we're breathing, we're in one, right? Maybe there's something God is calling us to do. A battle God is calling us to fight. Will we depend on him and, and, and do it by faith? Will we obey God no matter how crazy It is, or seems to us. We say, God, I'm going to do this no matter how crazy it is. I'm going to say no to this temptation. I'm going to, I'm going to stay faithful in my marriage and to my family. I'm going to keep loving my enemies. I'm not going to listen to the world and, and the all the garbage that the media is putting out. I'm going to listen to your word. Everything's going to go through your word. Anything that, that, that the world says that goes against your word, I'm going to believe that is a lie. I'm going to live it your way. I'll go wherever you call me to go. I'll do whatever you call me to do. 
Father, we pray for your Holy Spirit's conviction and power. And Father, I pray that each one of us would embrace the weaknesses that you have put in our life, the struggles that you have put in our life to make us dependent on you, and that we would see your power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.